Hey, I'm Pop Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. From K-Earth 101 in LA to Z100 New York, this guy's done it all. Gary Bryan is a radio legend and he's here with us. We talk with him about his career, his favorite in-studio guests, and we just have a real candid conversation. I loved having him on and I hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm a radio nerd, so I know you, but for those that don't know you, could you kind of introduce yourself and give a little bit of an elevator pitch of who you are and, well, all the things you've done over the years? Yeah, it's a, it's a, long, it's a long story, so I'll, I'll just give you the snapshot. Uh, so right now I'm doing the morning show at K-Earth 101 in L.A., which is sort of the um the la version of cbs fm in new york it, it started as an oldies station when oldies were 50s and 60s songs and now it's playing 70s 80s 90s and even into the 2000s uh, i've been here for about 21 years uh doing this show uh it does pretty well in the la market usually in the in the top five sometimes number two or number one uh, kind of depending. Before that, um, I came down here from Seattle. I was up there at KJRFM. Uh, the more notable places that I've been uh, were Z100 in New York. I did that for three years in the 90s. Uh, prior to that, I was the program director at WPLJ in New York, which no longer exists. And uh, I, I had come there from KUBE in Seattle, which was a really big top 40 station in Seattle and the baby Z100 in Portland, Oregon. And um, so while I was there, I was kind of communicating with Scott Shannon because there were two or three really good morning zoos in the country. One of them was in Portland. One of them was in uh, Houston with John Lander and the other was, was Scott in New York. And then I wound up replacing Scott uh, years later. So kind of ironic anyway. Uh, and I've been at a lot of other radio stations, but those are kind of the standouts. So what is something that you wish people knew about you and what you do? Well, I think what a lot of people really don't understand about, uh, a lot, most people really don't understand radio and most of the people in radio don't understand radio. Um, there are misconceptions, um, you know, I really enjoyed being a program director because I enjoyed putting the whole 
vibe together of a radio station. And obviously, it used to be a lot more competitive than it is now because each radio station would have a, a, just one, one, one radio station, one owner. It wasn't like as it is now where you've got basically two companies that are that own the majority of the important radio stations in in America. So it was really a, a game of uh, skill and creativity to program a radio station and go up against somebody who was really good and it made everybody sort of excel. And, um, and now there's a lot less of that, unfortunately. But um, I think it's, you know, for me, I, I love the, the big picture of radio. And I think it's one of the reasons I can be effective as a morning guy, because I'm basically a program director who has some air personality skills and I know how to put it all together. It's interesting to me because I was told that because I have a disability and because I have a stutter, I couldn't be a radio personality. And a radio industry professional told me that. So what is your opinion on, like, diversity within the radio landscape? Well, um, I don't think anything is an absolute exclusion. You know, I mean, if if you can work your way around, uh, you, you know, the thing that seems to be holding you back, it might not hold you back. It may become a distinctive characteristic it just depends on how you work it i mean the the only thing you absolutely must do in mass media is you have to be able to be likable and attractive to an audience so i think i you know as a mental exercise you have to ask yourself how do i do that you know how do how do i become uh, a compelling host for the audience where people go, you know, I really want to listen to Bob, you know. Um, and if you can come up with that, then, you know, you should be in. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, a good programmer and a good creative person would be open to that from anyone, you know, no matter, no matter when you, you remember, um, the guy that does uh, James Earl Jones. James yeah. Earl, he, he has a terrible stutter. And and when you talk to him, which I've done before, he talks very slowly so that he doesn't stutter. So no matter what uh, you know what what your situation is or what you feel like you may have a handicap in that situation, you can always you know turn it around and turn it to your advantage. So I. I think that anybody should be uh, considered, let's put it that way. Yeah, because I, I was told that and I was kind of shocked because this was coming from somebody with years under their belt. And I think they they were kind of looking at the kind of traditional way, the announcer kind of radio way, but now it's more conversational. Yeah, it is. And For sure. uh, so now we were talking, you were talking about being a programmer and a PD and just a creative person. When either you're putting your show together 
for the morning show or just doing your own thing. What's the hardest part for you about being a creative person? Well, I think the hardest part about doing um, a show on the radio where you do a lot of ad-libbing is uh, making sure that uh, you're in the right frame of mind, you're in the right mood, that you have enough prep and stuff to talk about, but not too much, because too much can be a curse too. You know, you're trying to work everything in and and you you don't stop and rest on a topic long enough to develop it on the air. Um, I think it's a it's a tough balance. The other thing I learned uh, early on, uh, as a matter of fact, I was I was probably maybe 24. Uh, I was on a radio station in San Francisco called KYA, and um, we were definitely the number two top 40 in San Francisco. The other station was the station called KFRC, which was just a monster, great sounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I just, I thought, God, how do those guys do it? You know, they sound so good all the time. And then I really started listening to my tapes and I said, God, I suck. You know, what is, you know, I just, I'm nowhere near as good as these guys. And, and, and then I got a tape where I had two or three breaks you know as we call them that sounded pretty good the rest of the tape sucked but i had two or three moments when i got it together and i thought okay well let me on my way in to the radio station let me listen to those breaks and get myself mentally back where i was when i was sounding like that so when i walk in i'll be in that frame of mind and i can do that and so I kept doing that for a few weeks. And then finally, I got an entire show where I sounded good. And then I listened to that on the way in. So I did the biofeedback where I just put myself in the right space mentally to do what I needed to do. And then I became consistent, consistently good. And that's the key, right? And so the first thing you have to do is tell your is is be honest with yourself. You know, you got to go look. You know, I'm not that good because your tendency is to listen and you only hear the good parts. You don't hear the bad parts. So, if you can hear the things you're doing wrong and realize that you've got to work on it, then that you're a long way to getting where you need to be. And then if you just kind of biofeedback on the things when you finally get it right and just keep putting yourself back in that same space, you can get to the point where you're consistent. So I think I think you're absolutely right because we we are our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And I think once you kind of almost separate yourself from what you just did, <laughs> you're better off. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to be objective about yourself because you you don't you know it's a bummer to realize that you're not that good. But it's the only way you're gonna get good, you know, is to realize, hey, you know, I'm not there yet. So I'm curious, because I always ask this of my guests 
do you have any questions for me about what I do or my life or if there anything you want to know about me like well sure yeah what what do you do I have I've been doing um a pop culture centric podcast for over 13 years where I interview people from the creative kind of TV, film, music, radio, but I also highlight disability and diversity inclusion because that we we are still not where we need to be in that realm of things. Um, so if I can change somebody's perspective on someone with a disability, even if it's just for one second during our conversation, then I've done my job. I really look at things in an analytical view. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm past that sort of fanboy, oh my god, you did this? But it's like, it's more like, how did you do this? Why do you do this? Why, why is this the way you conduct yourself on the air? Why, why do you choose this creative decision for this television show? Whatever. Because when you're, when you're talking to me, when anyone's talking to me, I always say, let your disability or any challenge you have be in the background and just press record, which basically means just do it because you never know where it'll take you. And uh, I really, so that's me in an elevator pitch, I guess. But you're hosting mornings and that has, that has so many listening ears in their cars. I mean, I'm in New York, but my girlfriend lives in Southern California and she grew up listening to KR to the point where if she didn't have KR on when she fell asleep, she would like get mad at her parents. It's one of those things. So, so you're meeting all these different types of people with all these different challenges quite possibly. You never know. So are there any stories that stick out as far as meeting people or interviewing people with disabilities or people like that? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, after 21 years on uh, just on this station, you know, a, a lot has happened. Um, you know, there's a little girl who used to do a thing called uh, Generation Gap. And it was a little contest. I think Jimmy Kimmel stole this. Yeah, I think he just started doing it. But um, it was a contest where we would ask the kids questions about their parents' generation. And we would ask the parents questions that only the kids would know, right? And, um, and it's funny, you know, being in L.A., you have, you know, celebrities call up. And we had uh, Bo Bridges uh, with his son. They just called up and they got through and they played the contest. Um, but there was a little girl one day, she called up and, and I, I said, uh, so your dad's are with you? Doesn't he have to go to work? And she goes, no, 
he's got spinal cancer and he can't work. And I said, oh, no. And she said, it's okay. She goes, this is the best day ever. We get to play you know, Generation Gap. But the way she said it, it was like she was comforting us, you know. And um, everybody kind of, everybody had a tear in their eye. And we talked to her and the dad. And within like 20 minutes, we had like people call up and, and you know, because the guy couldn't work. And people called up and they were pledging money without us even asking. And it was like an early version of GoFundMe, I guess, on the on the air. But anyway, you know, by the time we got off the air, I think we had like fifty thousand dollars. People were donating to this family, and it was just an amazing day. Um, so we've seen a lot, you know. I mean, it, it, every Christmas uh, we go out and we do knock knock. It's Christmas where we find out about a deserving family, and we and the whole audience gets together. They donate things for the family, and. Uh, a few years ago, we had a family that was two uh, parents who were blind, and they had two kids who were sighted. And uh, and their story was such an interesting story. And we went out and, and uh, brought them a Christmas tree and a bunch of gifts and all this stuff. And it was great, you know. So yeah, I mean, we it's just you you know it's just life, as you know, you know. It's just uh, when you when you see a need, you try to meet it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when I started this, when I started doing this, or when I started talking to people, it was a four hour, it was four hours a day, day five days a week live broadcast. And then I realized, well, darn, that's physically taxing. I can't do that because of my physical limitations. So. The podcasting part of it was a good vehicle for me because it was on my own time. But the problem is with podcasting, like, there's so much of it that it's hard to, like, cut through Mm -hmm. any noise. Yeah, it's hard. But, you know, hopefully, you know, with this conversation here and with any future ones that I do it's like I just want to inspire people one episode at a time even if it's for one moment you know where where do you where's your podcast uh, available everywhere Spotify Apple iHeart everywhere so so it's like you can find me so we talked about K-Earth a little bit, but I want to talk to you about your time at Z100 because that was kind of a turning point for the station. You know, Scott had left and you were kind of brought in. Mm-hmm. What was that journey like for you? And well, it was what, interesting. What do you remember because... you working at Z? Yeah, so I was... I was program. I was a program director in the morning jock at WPLJ, and that's how I first came to New York. And um, we had turned that station from kind of a sleepy, laid back, you know, station, and we had turned it around and pointed it right at Z100 because my job was to take them down. Scott had been gone for a while, and there was a guy named Brian Wilson that they brought in. 
uh, right after Scott left, and they put him in with Ross Britton. Now, uh, Brian Wilson and Ross Britton had previously done the morning show at WABC together when it was a top 40. So they had worked together before. Um, the problem was, you know, Brian was obviously a professional, but he sounded older. You know, he sounded like an AM, an old AM guy. And, uh, and, the, and the ratings on, on Z100 were going down. So they saw me over at WPLJ and they said, oh my God, this guy is gonna, you know. I, was, I had a pretty good reputation as a program director and they said, this guy's gonna take us down. So they came over and they just threw a bucket load of money at me and they said, come on across the street, do it for us. And uh, so I crossed the street. And, um, and to be honest, it was, very, it was a very difficult job because uh, the people on the zoo were great. Uh, you know, Ross and uh, Michael Pelka and Jonathan B. Bell and Mr. Leonard and all those guys. But they were definitely, uh, they had been together for a long time and they were very successful, you know. So everybody had kind of an ego and I was supposed to come in as their leader. And they were, you know, a little skeptical to put it mildly. So it took a long time to work out how we were going to work together. Uh, you know, eventually we did, and I, I thought it was, I thought, you know, we did a pretty good job, but it never quite recovered that spark that it had when it first started, you know, when, when Scott put it on the air. Yeah, the whole, the whole worst of first, sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, that was a magic chemistry, and I told Scott later, I said, look, you know, replacing, because he had gone to LA, obviously, and he had some problems out here, and he had to come back and go on PLJ, but but um, I told Scott, I said, replacing you on the zoo is like replacing John in the Beatles. <laughs> you know, you can put somebody else in there, but it's just never, the, it's not going to be the same, you know. So, um, but, you know, I, I learned a lot and had a lot of fun working with those guys. It was a little frustrating ratings wise. And then, um, you know, there was also the boss there wanted us to sound more like Howard's turn, which I thought was a big mistake. Not that Howard isn't great, and he was great, but I said, you know, you, you don't want to be a copy of Howard Stern, <laughs> you know. No, nobody does Howard Stern like Howard Stern. I, I don't want to be a, you know, a fake Howard Stern. I said, let us do what we do, you know, and then and then everybody will have ratings, you know. But they were fighting me all the way on that. So, were you in New Jersey at this point? Because... Yeah, we were still in we were still in that original studio where the zoo. Okay. Yeah, out in Secaucus. Which I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that is today. But that's just an office building. I, you know, I don't know. I saw a picture of it the other day, and it's just like there isn't any, anything even in there. You know, but that was yeah. radio history, man. Yeah, I and it's it's interesting because I I live in Long Island, but I've never been to New York City. <laughs> really. Because of physical limitations and whatnot, but honestly, like, I'd love to go see the current studios now where they are. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. just, they move studios again, uh, for... Bob, are you in a, are you in a, are you in a wheelchair? Are you yeah, physically? Yeah, yeah, oh. yep. Okay. In a wheelchair. Um, and like, transportation's a little rough, but, um, that being said, 
I am coming out to California this summer. Mm. So maybe maybe we can meet up. Yeah, if you want to come up and look at the studio or something like that, stay in touch and we'll try to put something together. Yeah. So what what is what has been your so when you're brought in to do a radio show, a morning show. The music is one thing. The phone calls are another thing. But when, how long did it take to build kind of a dynamic and a relationship with your co-host? Because you and Lisa have been at it for 20-something years. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you make... How do you kind of start building that dynamic? Well, you know, I, I think after all these years in the business, uh, you either know how to have chemistry with other people or you don't. Some people can have chemistry with just about anybody. And some people just, just can't do it. They just not in their nature. Right. So for example, I think you just from having a conversation with you, you have chemistry with other people. You listen to what they say, you react, you put your stuff in, then you give them a chance. You know what I mean? It's, it's, having chemistry with somebody is sort of like a, like if you ever played a musical instrument and you jam with people, you kind of have a second sense or an instinct of how where you should put something in and then you stop and let them do some stuff and blah, blah, blah. And and that means, you know, listening and playing with the other person. So Lisa is another person who has knows how to have chemistry with people. She knows how to, you know, interject in a conversation, when to laugh, when to say something. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, she's extremely annoying. <laughs> and, and that part is totally genuine. Um, and so we just give each other a lot of crap on the air. We kind of it's almost like we're sparring all morning, right? It's like, I can't let her get the upper hand. She can't let me get the upper hand. And that's the chemistry. You guys are like husband and wife for like that duration. Right. You know, so I'll say, I'll, I'll tell her she's an idiot. She'll tell me I'm an idiot. And, and the people, I think, when they hear it, they go, ah, you know, I wish I could say that to my wife or my husband, right? Um, and, and I think there's a, it's genuine and it's uh, authentic. And, and that's what people respond to. You know, you can, you can go, okay, let's be this way. Right. And then you can try to fake it and people know, you know, yeah, yeah. but I if mean, you're genuinely, you know, doing it. Then they know. That's really how I used to be. Like I used to talk really fast and I used to try to prep everything, but it's like, no, I mean, have have what you need to have laid out, but just have a conversation. Yeah. And have you ever noticed that some people are just like really hard to talk to because they they just give you nothing, you know? Um, the best interviews, I tell you one of the best interviews, and I interviewed this guy for like three or four years in a row, was Stevie Wonder. He would come in every year and and he would talk about his charity concert and he'd, he'd bring some instruments and he'd play and sing on the air and then he'd have these great stories and you're going this guy's like the perfect guest it's almost like you know 
you just you don't have to do it. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, of course I prep for the thing, but it's like, and I'd bring up some stuff, but he'd come with stories and he'd be ready to sing. And, he'd, you know, you're going, this guy's up, and then you get some people who won't give you anything. You ask him a question. And you want to go, what are you doing here? You know, you agreed to come in and you wanted to plug your thing and now you won't even talk. What the hell yeah, is wrong yeah. with you? you know? Another another question that I have for you is this. What is when you when you get up at the crack of dawn to do this show, are you what is your prep process like? I mean, of course, the music is already logged and all set, so that kind of sends stone. But as far as show prep, as far as the bits and all the all the segments you do, what's that prep for you? Well, we do. Um, we actually do a prep service called Radio Genius Show Prep, and um, so we have some affiliates. We're just going to start marketing that to spread it out a little bit more. So I spend probably two hours every afternoon or in the morning, actually, when I get home, I can write stuff for the next day. But, uh, you know, we, we gather headlines, we do punchlines, we do all of that stuff. So when I walk in, I have all of these punchlines and jokes on, about the stories ready to go. And that doesn't mean I'm going to use any of them or all of them. But, you know, when you're tired in the morning, it's good to have something already written. And um, so you hit with a punchline uh, when you're talking about a story. And um, so I do that prep in the day before. Um, and when I, and then when I get up on that morning, I'll go look at everything on the internet. I get a couple of, uh, you know, I actually, Michael Pelka writes some show prep that he sends me and some other people. And then I scan the websites, the drudge, the revolver.news and all these see what's going on see what's happened if anything and um and then work out a little bit and i i get out you know and i i, I like to walk in the studio like right before i have to go on the air i don't want to go to the office and sit around and get cold you know what i mean and just kind of get sleepy you're like, you're you're like all right you're like all right we'll just get to it <laughs> yeah it's like i want to walk in with the adrenaline going like i'm almost late let's go boom hit the mic have some energy. Let's do it. And uh, and I've always been like that. I, I just don't like before the show to sit around and go, okay, let's go over everything. I hate that. I hate it. I it just you're th you're overthinking it. You just got to get on and because you you know when you're on the air, if you're going to be compelling to the audience, you have to be in the moment. You can't be reading something or or you know, kind of not have a lot of excitement or momentum or adrenaline. you got to just go, boom, let's go, you know. Absolutely. So what is the biggest lesson that you've taken away for not only being a radio personality, but being a, being a creative person, someone in the industry who's constantly creating mm -hmm. and constantly putting out content? Well, the biggest, you know, the biggest realization is that people listen to people. You know, people don't listen to formats. They don't listen to uh, 
I mean, you know, people may love jingles and all that stuff. You know, all that stuff is just sort of the, that's the lubricant. But you've got to have an authentic person to really make people listen. And because people want to connect with other people, it's part of our human nature. Um, and being a creative person, uh, and as a program director, I learned this a long time ago. Uh, when you go into, you know, a situation where you're creative, and you have other people who are managers or salespeople, uh, they are not going to understand what you're talking about. You can come in and go, this I because you have a vision. You go, this is this is my vision. I see this, this is going to be great. You get all excited. You've had this creative vision, and you go and you go, okay, we should do this. And they go, why? You go, because it's going to be great. Can't you see? I mean, so they go, no, I, I don't see it. Has anybody else done it? Because they always want to know. Has somebody else done this? You know, uh, was it successful for somebody else? Maybe we can copy it. And you go, no, no, no. We're going to be the first ones to do it, and it's going to be great. And they go, well, I, I don't know. How's it going to work? You cannot explain something to a person like that. You can't get them excited about a creative vision. They want proof that it's going to work because they can't see it. They want they they want the statistic and all that. Yeah, I mean, and you go, well, they did it in Omaha and it was big, you know, and that's what they want to hear. So getting them to do something brand new is almost impossible. So the only way that you can do those things is if you build up enough of a reputation where they go, okay, we don't know what this guy is doing, but he always wins. So let him do whatever he wants to do. And we're not going to question him. We're just going to let him do it. And that's, when you get to that point, then you can really start winning, right? But because um, that, you know, that was the way it was when I walked into WPLJ in New York. I came from a really big radio station in Seattle, and we had record-setting ratings, right? And um, I walked in. They said, "Okay, what do you want to do? You got you got a million dollars for advertising. You got nine hundred thousand dollars for cash giveaways." Uh, do you want to change the logo? Do you want to, you know, change the call letters? Do you want to, you know, whatever you want to do, just tell us. <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's like you were the king of the station. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, not anymore. But uh, it's just too many middle managers lurking around, like that guy that told you that you could never be on the radio. There's a lot of people like that in radio now, you know. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your prep service. Why don't you talk a bit about it? What can people, what can professionals get from it? Tell me a bit about it. Well, you know, it's got, uh, we basically, we scan the news. We get all the, the stories. We give you the headlines. We give you some attitude punchlines. It's like, it's not enough to know what's going on. You got to have an attitude about it, right? That's how you develop your personality. So we put up the, the what we consider to be the most talkable stories of that day and we give you some punchlines some attitude on it uh we give you celebrities a lot of celebrity news also a lot of like stupid news you know about crazy stories and um then we give you a little bit of stuff from the uh, tabloids uh like you know us magazine national Enquirer, and stuff and uh and then some just ideas for telephone topics thought starters you know like uh, for tomorrow, we're we're gonna do um, 
what's the weirdest thing that ever happened in the delivery room? What stupid thing do your husband or family member do in the delivery room? And uh, I'm sure that's going to be a hot phone topic. Uh, today, our phone topic was what's the what's the worst food to eat in the dark, <laughs> which was so weird. And so many people calling, you know, go spaghetti, hot chili. Pretty funny. Um, but just stuff to get people involved, get them, you know, make the show sticky for the people or they don't want to tune out. They want to find out what's going to happen next. And where can people grab this? Uh, you can go to radiogenius.com, which is our website, or radiogeniusshowprep.com, and sign up for a for a uh, a trial account, and uh, we'll get it set up for you. So you can log in every day, and you can take a look. All, we also have audio clips, you know, stuff that's in the news, like Arnold Schwarzenegger was filling a pothole because he got tired of waiting for the city to repair this pothole. So he went out and he filled it himself. Um, you know, stuff like that. So we just fun audio, not, we don't do politics. We just do entertainment. And where can people find you aside from being on the radio every morning? Well, I have a weekend syndicated show that's uh, all over the place. I do. Have, I have my own personal website, Gary Bryan show dot com and uh the reason we had to do not garybryan.com is that there's another there's a bunch of other gary bryans i had no idea but there's some guy in you're, florida you doppelgangers you're doppelgangers yeah, yeah i hope not you know, these guys are old dude i mean they're real old and, <laughs> and and this one guy put he writes all this bad music and puts it on his website and people go there they think it's me they go oh dude you do music and this guy actually put a a thing on his website that said, I am not the Gary Bryan that's on the radio, right? Uh, I had to use Gary Bryan. I offered to buy the domain name, GaryBryan.com, and he wouldn't sell it to me. So. See, I get the I get the hard-hitting information right there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You got the inside scoop. Right. So now that we've had time together, and, you know, you've gotten to know me more and all that stuff, so I... I'd like to ask it at the beginning and then at the end, do you have any questions for me about what what I do or just, do you have any questions for me? What do you want to know? Well, first of all, how old are you? 28. 28. Uh, do you have aspirations to to actually try to be on broadcast? I I'm kind of happy where I am right now because I've done I've I've done that before. And it was not on FM, but like on low power type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just so physically taxing. Not to say that I couldn't do it. I'm not ruling it out. Mm -hmm. But, but it's just like, I like being my own creative force and the person mm -hmm. behind it. I mean, that's why companies like ABC and Disney and all these people are coming to me for things because it's a unique voice that they wouldn't otherwise have. Oh, that's interesting. So what are you doing with those companies? I'm doing some, like, press, ju press junket things for some of their new properties and some... Mm. I've done things with Lionsgate for some of their films. I've... I'm... It's interesting. A lot of my stuff is in the family and children's media side of things. So when mm -hmm. I throw, when I 
throw people off and do something like this, it's like, they're like, oh, he, he's a radio nerd too? The answer is yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've built this brand for over 13 years, and it's not some kind of a, I hate to use this, but like a cute thing that I do. It's just, my, my parents are extremely supportive, and even they're shocked at what I've built for myself. Nobody did this for me. No corporation, no, no make-a-wish, no nothing. I built mm. it. Mm-hmm. And, good for you, man. And it's been such an honor and such a, priv- a privilege to be able to talk to you, and we'll be in touch. I think we're we're friends now. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, please, please do be in touch. Let me know when you come out. And you know, so what? What have you learned? Like when I have this, when I have these conversations. I don't intend to impact people or change a life, but I just want to know, is there anything that you've learned from our time together today? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I love your spirit. I think you're, um, you're doing what you should be doing. It seems like you're doing what you're meant to be doing. So, you know, I think it's, um, uh, you know, I commend you. I'm, what you're doing. I'm glad you reached out to me. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, dude. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, my friend. <laughs>